Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you don't mind, to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We've been walking through this psalm, Psalm 51, understanding the principle here, there is a way back to God. And it's tying into our main messages. During our regular church service times, we've been going through a series of the life and ministry of David. And we have observed David as he... Uh, was running from Saul. We've observed David as he's been king. We saw him as his sin with Bathsheba, and now we're watching him get right. It is at this time, after Nathan the prophet pointed his bony finger into David's face and said, Thou art the man, that David repented and he got right with God. And with this, he has written Psalm 51, which is his prayer going back to God. It's equivalent to 1 John 1 9, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we could see this principle as we're walking through this of the these things of David getting right with God and the aftermath of this. And so if you don't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the whole psalm and then we're going to go back and highlight just a couple of verses as we've been walking through this entire psalm. But notice with me in Psalm 51 and verse number 1. Psalm 51 and verse number 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest? Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom." Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from mine iniquities, and blot out all mine iniquities. <laughs> Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness, O Lord. Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. 
The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, and build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 51? Psalm 51, and if you don't mind, in verse number 13, notice the phrase, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Then will I teach transgressors my ways. With the Lord's help, we're going to preach the idea here of teaching transgressors God's ways. Teaching transgressors God's ways. Now we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that does righteous. No, not one. Every single one of us have sinned. Every one of us has fallen short. Every one of us has missed the mark. But God has done something for each and every one of us as he's offered salvation full, free, and forever. And everyone gets saved the same way, by grace through faith. By accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. There's not a single one of us that can say, let me tell you what I did to get to heaven. All we can say is, let me tell you what Jesus did. I wasn't worthy at all. So everyone gets saved the same way. Everyone is a sinner and everyone needs a Savior. In Psalm 51, we have the recounting of David as he's getting right with God. Now, he's already known Christ as his Savior. He's already trusted God and his promises as God has already revealed them in the Old Testament to David. He's accepted that by faith through grace or by grace through faith. But there was a time that even as a believer, he failed. He sinned. He committed egregious crime and compounded it with the sin of adultery and compounded it with lying. That lying was compounded with murder. That David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. And yet God allowed him to have a way back to him. To offer him forgiveness of those things. To get back. And now as David is going through, he's already confessed his sins. He's already admitted that it was against God and God only. He's asked God to cleanse him and to make him pure. Then he comes to this statement here. Then... I will teach transgressors thy ways. It's almost similar to an account that we see in the New Testament dealing with Peter. If you don't mind, let's go and look at that. Hold your finger here. We're coming back to it. But notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 22. The gospel record of Luke in chapter 22. And if you don't mind, gospel record of Luke chapter 22 I want to bring you to the end of the chapter, starting at verse number 31. Now, what is occurring in this is that Jesus Christ is getting ready to go to the cross. As he's getting ready to go to the cross, he's spending some personal time with the disciples. And we could see that Peter, who is always uh, insert foot type mode, that he's already said, Lord, we'll always follow you. I'll never fail you. I'm always going to go behind you. I'm always going to support you. But notice what Jesus says in verse number 31. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. 
So what we have here is Jesus Christ talking personally with Jesus Christ with Peter. And he's telling them in the next couple verses, he says, hey, before this day is over, before the cock crow thrice, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. <laughs> that he's going to deny Jesus Christ. But he says, I'm praying for you. And when you get past this, guess what I want you to do? When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. When you get past this trial, when you get right, when you get things fixed, I want you to turn around and strengthen the brethren. This is the same principle here. That <laughs> Peter is going to fail. And he's going to fail big time. Can you imagine traveling with Jesus for three and a half years? Watching miracles. Listening to him preach. Doing all these things. And then turn around and one night deny Jesus Christ three times. You look at Peter and say, how could you do such a thing? Well, we're very weak in the flesh too. How many times do we deny Christ when someone says, oh, you're one of those Christian people. I don't know what you're talking about. All it takes is a little bit of uh, pressure and all of a sudden people cave. But Jesus said, I'm praying for you. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter, when you get through this on the other side, I want you to teach people. I want you to strengthen them. I want you to work with them. Well, as we go back to Psalm 51, this is exactly the same thing. That we have David who has gone through a horrible thing. He's failed God in a horrible way. And yet he has the audacity, said, I'm going to teach people about the Lord. How is it, how is it that David could teach? With this, we understand there are three questions we want to answer. First of all, we come to the idea, how can a sinner be forgiven? That's a good question. How can a sinner be, be forgiven? The second question we want to consider how can a forgiven sinner become a teacher? How can a forgiven sinner become a teacher? And then a third logical question, what does a forgiven sinner teach? And so if you don't mind, let's examine these questions here and look at this psalm and understand these questions. If you don't mind, the first question we want to examine as we look at Psalm 51 is how can a sinner be forgiven? How can a sinner be forgiven? Now, we understand that we must never make light of sin. If a person truly fears God, then they will truly fear sin. Because sin is always against God and is egregious towards God. And God hates sin. When a person sees what sin does and the terrible devastation that it brings, that individual has the right fear of God. We have to understand that sin affects other people and it has lasting consequences. And it's horrible. Those, the idea that sin has consequences should keep us from sin. In fact, that's kind of the whole thrust of the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel shows consequences. And it just carries on those consequences. As we've been going through in our main services, we understand it started with sins, uh, David's sin with Bathsheba that led to the death of Uriah. That led with a confrontation with Nathan the prophet. And as a side effect, had led to the writing of Psalm 51. Well, as David was getting right with God, we understood that Nathan presented to him and gave him a parable. And it was David himself who issued a fourfold judgment upon that rich man who was in the parable that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And that fourfold judgment is going to lead to the death of four of David's 
family members. Four of David's kids. The, in that warning, in that, that judgment, we could see that the sword will never leave David's family. That the child with David and Bathsheba died. Amnon died. Absalom died. Ananijah died. A fourfold judgment upon David's house for just one night of sin. You understand, when we see sin with the idea in regard of its consequences, we understand all sin is serious. There's no such thing as a sin that doesn't affect anyone. All sin is against God. Not all sin has the same consequences, mind you, but all sin is against God, and God hates all sin. He hates all sin. And even the little sins, the sins that are up here, still have consequences and still affect. When you recognize that sin has awful consequences, that you start to get the right view of what sin is. Sin is awful. Sin is horrible. But then we think of David. How can a sinner such as David find forgiveness? This is a man who stole someone else's wife. This is a man who killed a righteous man. Uriah was faithful. He was so faithful that David wrote his death sentence, sealed it, and gave it to Uriah, knowing that Uriah would never open the envelope. Never look at the orders. He was that faithful. How can someone like that forgiven? If you saw that in the headlines, if you knew someone like that who had committed adultery, who had murdered someone to cover it up, that's not someone you want to go have in your household. It's not someone you want to invite to your, your table and say, hey, I just want to have some fellowship with you. This isn't a type of person. How can someone like this be forgiven? Well, he finds forgiveness the same way that we all do. Accepting Christ as our Savior. In fact, if you don't mind, hold your finger here again and turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 was another psalm that was written during the time of David getting right. And notice with me in Psalm 32. <coughs> psalm 32, and notice with me in verses 1 and 2. Psalm 32 and verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. We see this same psalm quoted later on in the book of Romans chapter number 4, where it says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness, Without works. Now, God's imputed righteousness must be preceded by repentance towards God. And we'll see this in, in um, the service this morning. That God open, offers forgiveness to anyone, but in order for someone to receive that forgiveness, there has to be a repentance. What, is, what do we mean by repentance? Well, we simply understand that we are a sinner. And because of our sin, we owe God a debt. We owe God hell. Someone who does not believe that they're a sinner can't be saved. There's nothing to save them from. Someone who doesn't believe that they deserve punishment, they don't, someone who doesn't believe they deserve to go to hell, 
There's nothing to save them from. There's no penalty to save them for. Jesus Christ died to save us from the penalty of sin. He died to free us from the burden that we owed. We owe God death and hell. But for a person to receive that salvation, God's offering it willingly. He's available. He's handing it. But in order for us to receive it, we recognize that we're a sinner. And that because of our sin that we owe God a great price. But Jesus is our only way of accepting to, to go to heaven is by Jesus Christ. And then we must personally accept Jesus as our Savior. I pastored many years down in the Bible Belt. And uh, <laughs> the problem with the Bible Belt is everybody's saved, nobody's grandmother's a preacher. Everybody has religion, but very few people have personally accepted Christ as their Savior. They all know that they're sinners. They know that because of their sin, they're supposed to go to hell. They even know that you're supposed to accept Jesus as your Savior. But very few of them have personally accepted Jesus as their Savior. Well, that's a big deal. You must personally accept it. You must receive that gift for yourself. God's offering it to you. It's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to receive it for yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He died for us and he made it available. He paid the penalty. Sin requires an awful penalty. But there has to be a repentance. There has to be a recognition. My sins are awful and my sins require me to go to hell. Jesus is my only hope. Jesus, I need you. That's what David did. He, uh, he applied that information that he had back then. We just happen to have more information. But he accepted God's promises as God had revealed it to him. And God offered him forgiveness. Full, free, and forever. And because of that, it says that he did not impute. That's a great word. It has the idea of transferring. He did not put. Basically, what we see is if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have Jesus' record on your account. You open up the books and you see Jesus' record. And guess what? He was a perfect God. A perfect student. A perfect everything. If you were to look at all your record and you would see this big thick file and go, oh, that's awful. But you open up Jesus' record, which is now on your account. They transferred it and put your name on it. Wow, look at that. Nothing to be held to my charge. Nothing was imputed on me. That's what God does. Is that when we accept that gift, he takes all of our record off. Cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Buries it in the depths of the deepest sea. Oh, what a wonderful thing. That's how a sinner is forgiven. Is by accepting Jesus' record on their account. By accepting what Jesus has done. Allowing God to impute righteousness on us without works. We didn't do anything to receive forgiveness. We didn't do anything to get to heaven. It was Christ and Christ alone that did it all. Which brings us to the second question. How can a sinner become a teacher? How can a sinner become a teacher? Is there a way that a sinner can be used of God again? Can someone be used after they messed up horribly? The answer is yes. You know, in this world, we may bear some of the scars and we may carry them for a lifetime. Is there any way that we could fly again? Is there any way that we could be used? Yes, but it's only by his forgiveness. How can a forgiven sinner be a teacher? Well, notice if you don't mind back in Psalm 51. <coughs> notice with this in verse number 13. Notice the first word, then. 
then will I become a transgressor. So we understand that then is talking about something that follows after. What came before that? What preceded that? Notice with me in verse number uh, 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness and the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, then teach transgressors thy ways. How can a forgiven sinner become a teacher? Because he's clean. Because he's forgiven of his sins. Because it's washed clean. His joy has been restored. He has a song in his heart again. He's able to rejoice. God's spirit's within him. There's evidence in his life that Christ has done something new. He has something to say because he is forgiven. The greatest thing that we have, by the way, is our testimony of what God has done for me. How you came to know Christ as your Savior. How that you were a sinner. And because of your sin you owed God a great price. But there was a time that you personally accepted Jesus as your Savior. And you've been forgiven. What a wonderful thing to be clean. What a wonderful thing to be forgiven. How can a forgiven uh, sinner teach? Because he's forgiven. Because he's clean. He is able to teach. He's not bragging about his sin. He's bragging about his great God. About what God can do. When you look at how awful you've been in your life. And I don't care how good of a life you've tried to live as a Christian. You messed up. You messed up so bad that if the rest of us knew about it. We wouldn't want to be your friend. And if you knew how bad I messed up. You wouldn't want to be my friend either. We've all messed up. We have all horrible sins. How we could teach is that. Because God has truly forgiven us. And we've been restored. And we're, we could tell everyone. Look at what God did for me. Which brings us to the third thing. What does a forgiven sinner teach? What does a forgiven sinner teach? Notice with me in verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And notice this. Because he teaches them thy ways, God's ways. That sounds like a broad statement. But notice the the occurrence. Because he teaches Sinners, thy way. Notice what happens. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. What does a um, forgiven sinner teach? He teaches other people how they can be forgiven. He teaches God their ways. They become soul winners, a soul winner for Jesus. He teaches transgressors how they could be forgiven. Hey, I know that you're a sinner and I'm letting you know that you could be forgiven of your sin. Let me tell you how. And then as he reaches him and says, let me tell you what God did to me. That I was a horrible sinner. Let me tell you. David could go and say, hey, I was a murderer. I was an adulterer. But let me tell you, God forgave me of these things and he could forgive you of your things. To be honest, most of us have never committed murder, right? If you've never committed murder, raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, don't tell me about it. But <coughs> none of us have committed murder. And the way that sometimes man lights up their mind, murder is one of the awfulest sins you could possibly do. Take someone else's life. Well, if you've never committed murder, you understand 
you could have forgiveness. God forgave a murderer, he'll forgive you. God is able to forgive to the uttermost. He's able to forgive anybody and everybody who's willing to come to him. Isn't that great news? There is no one you could go up to that you could say, you know what, you're too awful. God, God won't even touch you. I'm sorry, you have no hope. There's no one you could run to and tell them that they have sinned too much that God will not forgive them. Now, there are some people who will not accept God's forgiveness, but there's no one that God is not willing to forgive if they're willing to come to him. Isn't that good news? You know what that means? You can't tell the wrong person. You need to tell everyone. It is amazing to see what people do when they realize they're forgiven. When they realize how much they've forgiven of. Wouldn't you want to tell everyone about what God has done for you? You know, when we go out and tell people about Christ and go door knocking, we're not trying to twist people's arm. We're not trying to make them and say, listen, you have to do this. We just want people to be free to say, let me tell you what God did for me and be excited for it. You know, that makes all the difference. Sometimes when people go teach people, they do it without any joy. Knock on the door. Hey, I'm from the church. Pastor's over there and he's watching me. He's telling me I got to give you this here. You, you do whatever you want. I just got to give it to you. All right, well, see you later. That doesn't do anything. And some people treat it like that. They just, well, I'm doing it because I have to. Pastor said I got to pass out a certain number of tracks. Here you go. No, but you know what makes all the difference in the world? When you go knock on someone's door, I want to tell you about a great God who's forgiven me of so much and he'll forgive you. Doesn't that sound a little bit different? I wonder what happened to this guy. Where is the joy of your salvation? Are you excited about what God has done for you? Are you thankful? Do you realize how much you've been forgiven? You realize what you deserve? Every single one of us deserve right now to be burning in hell. Without exception. All of us. All of us. And God has forgiven of us. Why wouldn't we want to go tell people? Why shouldn't we be excited? I've been forgiven of so much. So how does a sinner, how can he be forgiven? By what Jesus Christ has done for them. Jesus Christ has paid the price full, free, and forever for all those that will believe. What, how can a for, uh, forgiven sinner teach? He could teach because he is forgiven. He's got a clean heart. He's purified. He's right with God. He's upholded with God's spirit. Uh, he's got the joy of his salvation. That's how he could teach. It's not because he's deserving. It's because he's thankful. He's clean. He's right. What does he teach? He teaches, let me tell you what God did for me. We all have a story to tell. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you've been forgiven of much. And the more that you realize how much you're forgiven of, the less of a burden it is to go tell people. It's not a big deal at all. You know, things that are important to you is what you talk about. You ever listen to people? You, you, we all have that friend that when they talk on the phone, they call us up and we kind of roll our eyes. You be honest. Roll their eyes and we go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Leave the phone down, go do something, come back, pick up the phone and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they don't even know you're gone yet. <laughs> we all have someone. And, and you listen to what some people talk about. What do people talk about? Things that are important to them, right? They talk about their favorite video game. They talk about their favorite thing. They talk, they talk about things that are important to them. When you realize how much you've been forgiven of, when you realize how much a God up in heaven loves you, 
Why wouldn't you want to talk about them? It's not a big deal. You shouldn't have to twist people's arms to go talk about Jesus. Let me tell you, there's one of the Ten Commandments that says, uh, thou shall not commit adultery. There's a commandment in the New Testament that says, husbands, love your wives. You know, there's never been a single day in my life where I had to put a sticky note up on my mirror just to look, love your wife today. I didn't ever needed a reminder to love my wife. And you know, because I love my wife, I like to talk about her, right? You know, you ever find that, that young couple, they're twiddle-pated, that's a good Disney word, twiddle-pated. And uh, they look at them and their eyes are all big and saucy and they, they'll, they'll tell you everything about their, their love. Why do they talk about them so much? Because they love them. You ever talked about Christ that much? Well, you just loved them that much and you just couldn't help but to talk about them. You couldn't, you couldn't wait to find someone you could tell them about what you love the most. Well, when you realize what Christ has done for us, he gives us something to talk about. And it doesn't mean prompting. It doesn't need twisting. I want to talk about the Lord because I realize what he has done for me. What does a forgiven sinner teach? He teaches God's ways. He teaches that what Christ has done for them so that sinners shall be converted unto thee, unto God. Oh, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing that we can be forgiven and that we have something to talk about because we are forgiven. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.